Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today I have Justin James with us. He is actually local to me, but we have not met yet in person. Justin, I like to just have my guests go ahead and introduce themselves. Can you let them know what you're up to? Absolutely. Thanks, April, for having me on the show. Oh, so great to be here. As April said, I'm Justin James. I am a leading expert in virtual events, helping entrepreneurs to leverage the power of technology to scale their business and multiply their impact. So Justin and I met because I saw him as a guest on some, it was the Entrepreneur's Rocket Fuel, like streaming, I don't know what you call those events. You can help me out. Yeah, it was the Entrepreneur's Rocket Fuel Web Summit. So it was like 12 um, guests to this lady named Kimberly who, um, and she interviewed people back to back to back to back. It was great. Um, and somehow I ended up catching you and your uh, co-founder. Yeah, at the time I was had a co-founder in my business and we were doing all kinds of stuff around YouTube and podcasting and virtual events. And so we're doing all kinds of stuff that we talked about on that show. And since that time, I am 100% into the virtual event production space. So you changed gears a little bit. I think it was actually probably about two and a half years ago that we met because I feel like it was just months before I launched my podcast. Um, does that sound right? Because I feel like we ended up having a, we chatted. Um, yeah, it's to totally right. It was before you had a podcast, you were thinking about doing something in that that space and so we chatted and now you're a hundred plus episodes into your podcast yes and you have been manning events like crazy and that is new in the last couple of years right you have been doing a little bit but you've grown it oh, totally grown it i've done something like 130 events in the last couple of year there's lots of one days lots of three days events for entrepreneurs speakers and coaches just, it's been an amazing ride in there the power of virtual events and the impact people can can make and it has just grown my clients impact people no longer have to fly all over the world to come see them for their events they, they can be anywhere that they want to be in the world and so their reach has gotten way bigger their impact has gotten way bigger so it's been amazing to watch that area of technology actually grow so I know a few things about what you do, but why don't you, for our audience, talk about how do you help with these events and what capacity? So where my zone of genius lies is in technology. I love everything te technology, but my clients don't love everything technology. Mm -hmm. That's not their zone of genius. Their zone of genius is being able to coach their clients, get results for their clients. They don't want to have to worry about the technology side when they run their events what buttons do they push in zoom how do they get their attendee unmuted and on the screen how do they get them into breakout rooms how do they get stuff into chat how do they make sure the links are are right they don't want to worry about any of that stuff they want to get on stage they want to present their content interact with their attendees leave a lasting impression and make an impact so where i come in is all that technology stuff i take care of all of those pieces so they don't have to worry about any of those things their team doesn't have to worry about any of the technology things they're just going to actually as they say magically happen but and they don't have any more worries about is the tech going to be right am i pushing the right buttons at the right time in the right order 
I take care of all of that work for them. So a lot of people that have attended uh, Zoom conferences or summits or whatever are probably thinking about Zoom, but I know that you probably run with more than one platform. I think I had just attended a, a I don't know, like a weekend conference type thing on, is it called Hop Into? Is that the name of that platform? There are lots of platforms. My platform of choice, 100% is Zoom. Really? Okay. Zoom get, it just gives the best interactions. And yes, I know some of your listeners are thinking, we're Zoom fatigued out. <laughs> right. We're tired of Zoom. Yep. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, Zoom fatigue really should be renamed to bad video fatigue, hmm. bad meeting fatigue, because Zoom does nothing more than delivers a video to us. It's up to us as host of the meetings in those events to actually make them interactive, to make them fun, to make people want to be there. And when we don't take the time to do that, then we start going, oh, I'm so tired after that meeting. I'm so tired of Zoom. Well, it's because you just had a bad meeting. You, you didn't have a fun meeting. You didn't have one where you went, oh, I really got something out of that. That could be life changing. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between good and bad in there. And so to me, Zoom fatigue, even though we talk about it a lot because it's an easy phrase for the media to actually coin. Right. Not really a thing at the end of the day. You, But you do have to spend time to plan your meetings, plan your, your events, to actually have the interaction, to have the different parts of it. Do you want to have games in there? Sometimes you end up having little icebreakers in there. Sometimes you end up splitting people into breakout rooms so they can have smaller conversations and network in there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people get to come on stage and ask questions if you're running your events. But you got to plan that in. If you just say, oh, I'm going to, I'll figure out where it goes in the meeting. Yeah, at the end of your meeting, you're going to realize you talked the whole meeting. You didn't ask any questions. Mm -hmm. You didn't call anybody out by name when they answered your question in the chat. You didn't bring anybody on screen. You didn't let anybody interact. So you have to plan all of that stuff. And that's where a lot of these events and meetings that, that are just bad, they just didn't plan them. They just scheduled them and figured, oh, they'll just magically happen. There's no magic. We make it look like magic, mm -hmm. but there's a whole lot of work that goes in behind the scenes to make that magic actually happen. I think the events that I have attended that were the most exciting were the ones that had the breakout rooms where you actually could network a little bit. Um, the the one I mentioned before, I think it was called Hop Into or something like that. They had one-on-one -on -one kind of like almost like a speed dating session, but the same sort of thing in Zoom um, with the breakout sessions. But um, I always felt like there wasn't enough time, you know, like, oh, only 10 minutes. That's all we get, you know? Um, so sometimes they can feel almost rushed, but again, it might be a personality thing too, because I enjoy meetings. I enjoy conferences. I enjoy networking. And I know that maybe my husband, who's like an extreme um, introvert probably would feel more tired from being on camera or that's not his norm. Oh, absolutely. I'm an introvert myself. Oh, like I have love working from home, not having to go out, not having to interact. I go days, sometimes weeks at a time where I don't actually need to leave the house for anything. Hmm. Everything's in the house. I can get food delivered if, if I run out of food or my wife loves is not an introvert and loves to go out and interact <laughs> with people. So she's like, I'll go to the grocery store. I'll go yep. do the things that you don't want to do. And so I can just stay home and enjoy that side of it 
And so meetings can be draining, but at the same time, that's where the interactivity actually comes in and making sure you're value added at the meetings. That it's one of those spots where so many times you feel like you can't get out of the meeting, but you have no purpose in really being at the meeting. So the whole time you're just listening, not taking notes because it doesn't apply to you, not taking any actions, not interacting at all, but you feel like you need to be there because the boss invited you to it or somebody invited mm -hmm. you to it and somebody big is going to be there and it's like, oh, I got to make my appearance. And it's like, maybe you actually don't. You know, I like to you know, what is the purpose of this meeting? Do I actually need to be there? If I don't need to be there, I don't need to actually go to the meeting. But so many times people don't feel that empowerment. And that's discussions to actually have with other people you're working with to make sure you know what is the purpose of the meeting what before the meeting actually happens do i actually need to be there if you're feeling like you don't need to be there do we have an actual agenda on there if you plan a good meeting and you know why you're going to be there what the agenda is going to be and what the expected outcome is it's not nearly as tiring even as an introvert because you feel like you need to be there mm -hmm. and you're going to actually interact not just sit there for however long the meeting is I think if it's an interactive meeting and some, and some sort, even if it's just through the chat um, with whoever's, you know, the spokesperson for the run of the show, um, it's, it feels um, like it'd be more memorable than just watching a recording, you know, a static recording in the, in the end. Or um, I, I do know that as far as like timing with meetings that someone I interviewed a few weeks ago, I don't remember if you said this on the recording or after, but she told me that she has um, Otter AI actually log in for her as like a assistant, like a meeting assistant and records the, the transcript, you know, for her, the audio and the transcript. Um, and then she, you know, if she's running late or misses something, then it's still, she still has it. And I was like, oh, it's not a bad idea. Um, it can appreciate that for certain settings, but not all, because I still, I like the human touch. I like the human touch as well. I do like things like Otter AI or Fathom Video to, in my meetings when I can, because it allows me not to take so many notes. Mm -hmm. I can actually focus on the meeting and not be worried about, oh, that person just said something that I really need to write down. Mm -hmm. or, or a lot of events that I actually attend there outside of work are around how do you market the business? How, how do you create different programs in your business? And the presenters are always dropping all kinds of nuggets that, as we like to call them, writer downers. Like, yeah. I need to write that down right away. And, well, if I start doing that, then my brain's focused on writing that, and then I'm missing the next pieces. Or if I have something like right. Otter AI transcribing, get as we're going, I don't have to worry about grabbing so many notes. I can highlight exactly where we're kind of at it. And, that, and then I can go back and write notes later if I for those pieces. So I get to focus a lot more on the meetings, which means I also remember a lot more of the meetings because I'm not just focused on taking notes after notes. Uh, a lot of my work right now, um, my work from home part of my life, I do work two days a week right now, uh, teaching in person actually for an adult education program, uh, teaching English. It's really fun. Um, but the, the other three days of the week, I'm either doing the podcast or I'm writing resumes. I interviewed a lady, uh, Krista Morris, from Gilbert actually a year ago, year and a half, two years ago, maybe. Um, and we started working together afterward. Um, it's great. I think it's episode 49, I think. Um, she 
she didn't record her interviews with her clients. And I introduced that to um, the way that we work together. I'm like, well, if you have a recording from your interview, I could write the resume, you know, if you're, if you're over loaded or, you know, vice versa, I can interview um, the client myself. And then if I can't keep up with my note taking, at least I have the otter is what I use. I know it's not probably the best platform out there right now, but, um, or at at least if there's competitors that I might want to investigate some at some point. Uh, But I really do appreciate otter um, for catching those, like you said, nuggets that I miss. And I'm like, rather than asking them to stop and repeat themselves, I'll be like, I'll catch it later. I love to record my client meetings for the business and not just for what you talked about, but also to go back and see what's the reactions that I'm actually getting from the clients. It's really hard in the moment to actually catch how are they responding to the things that I'm actually saying it mm. in there. If we're ta- having a sales meeting and I mentioned prices, being able to see their face in there is so valuable afterwards seeing how I'm looking on camera as well well, in there, even though I can see myself in zoom, I can't focus on myself. If I start focusing on myself, then I'm not looking at the camera anymore. And it looks like I'm disinterested (laughs) in there. And so it's a tough balance between looking at the people in the meeting on the screen Mm -hmm. and actually looking at the camera so that you're interacting with people in there and they feel like you're actually paying attention. It's a weird conundrum, actually, just because by looking at them in the eye, you're actually not. And it's such an odd feeling like, and there's ways around it if with technology, if you buy a teleprompter and you can put your camera in the teleprompter behind the teleprompter, and then you have the zoom screen up behind it so that you like, there's ways to work around it, but they start to get a little more complicated. You start to have to think about how to set that up and it's not the easiest thing in the right. world to get. I bought a teleprompter set up <laughs> and I, I have one too. And I don't have it set up either. I can't, I, I think I tried it like once or twice and it was so unnatural for me. I'm like, I can't make this. I'm, I just do better with the interaction, um, the back and forth conversation. If I try to record a solo episode, which I have done, um, there's a lot more jump cuts because I like lose my place. And I don't just say with my, um, guests, at least, you know, I want to keep going for their sake. All right. It's so with the teleprompter, I agree. With your meetings, are most of them run on the platform, um, the Zoom part where it's like webinar style, where all the app, um, all of the attendees are just watching, or is it the more interactive, or do you have kind of have a mix of both? So the only ones that are in the webinar side are the true webinars that are intended to be kind of watched. You don't need to. You don't want necessarily to see or people to see who's else is there with them, but those are few and far between. Okay. I mean, they're much less, in per- they're less, blah. <laughs> they're much less personal. Less personal. Yeah. <laughs> much less personal. So all of our stuff, including all of our events, hundred percent is on zoom meetings because that's where you get the interactivity. That's where you can see the gallery view and see each other. Like you could, if you were in person, you, can easily bring people up on stage and multiple people up on stage with it. And yes, you can do some of that in the webinar. It's just not nearly as smooth and takes time. And so the meetings just give a lot more interactivity, give those breakout rooms that we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier as well. So meetings are that place that give you way more interactivity. And that's what we want, especially in the events I run because part of the event, 
purpose of the events is those coaches are actually going to make an offer to their high-end program, their year-long coaching programs in most cases. And so you need that interaction because they're previewing what is it going to be like to work with me if you were to sign on for the next year? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want them in something like a webinar where they can't interact with you because nobody wants to pay several thousand dollars to work with somebody where you can never actually talk with them, can never ask mm-hmm. questions. You just have to watch recordings. Like none of us want that. We want mm-hmm. the interactivity. And so Zoom meetings provide that interactivity that we need. Are you running multiple meetings at once or are you a one at a time kind of guy? Do you have a team that's helping you manage all these events? It depends on the month. Some months have multiple meetings going on and I will bring in some team members to run some of those. Cause obviously I can't run more than one at a time effectively right? because there's actually things I have to do in the meeting. If yeah. I was just starting them up and then I didn't have to do anything. So I push a record button and then come back. Yeah. I could run all the meetings myself. Mm-hmm. But because we're doing all the tech, bringing people up on stage, spotlighting people, breakout rooms, chat messages, managing the recordings, managing all the security settings so that we don't actually get Zoom bombed in there. So one at a time is what we run per team. And I'll bring in team members for the ones that I can't do myself. I felt like I had a pressing question and then it escaped me, which probably I've been trying to work my uh, third shift hours again like I used to in the past and it's not working out I need to go back to normal people hours um you mentioned that you used to have a team member um or a co-founder have you guys gone different directions at this point we did go different directions my co-founder at the time that we had met wanted to focus only on the YouTube side and not the event side Mm -hmm. and I wanted to focus on the event side I still wanted to keep the YouTube side, but it just wasn't working. Get out with that split with what we both wanted. And so we okay, both. Okay, so you've taken Amicus the events. Parted and... ways. Yeah, okay. I took the events. He took the the YouTube side of it. Bit, and we had a just a nice business separation there. No, no animosity or anything there. And so good. Yeah, so it worked out well for both of us. Justin, I know that you do more than one thing. So you actually have a full-time job on top of your event business. You want to chat about that a little bit? My husband's in the same industry as you. Yeah. Um, but can... I think that you have very different capacities. Yeah, we can chat about that that a little bit. So in addition to running my business and doing all the, the events in there, I do around 30 to 40 events per year. I also do software development in the technology industry. And I've been doing that for over 20 years now. And so I get to work at home for both sides of my career right now. And I love both sides of my career. It's fun to do the software development pieces. And it even helps me in the business side of it because I'm able to actually do some of that software development for the business and automate things that other people aren't able to automate in the business and make events go even smoother in there. How many years have you been working from home as a software developer? I've had a couple stints where the full-time job, I've done that. This one, I've been doing it since 2018. So we're somewhere in the five going on six-year range of working from home. I had another five or six-year stint in there that I did the work from home piece. I got to say, I would not go back to the office if I, if I had a choice. You know, I Are don't they- want to go back. Are they letting you stay home? Is that like um, yep. 
part of the deal fully, for your yeah. com- I guess My for your department. Fully stay, staying home. In the whole time I've been working, so the tw- last 26 years, I've worked for the same co- company doing the software development. I have, in the last 23 of those years, have not worked in a team that has all been in the same location. Okay. We've been all over the w- world, people from Israel, people from, from China, Ireland, all over the U.S., Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't make sense necessarily to be in the office for most of that because all we're going to do is hop on on something like Zoom in order to have all of our (laughs) meetings anyway. Every time I need to talk to someone, we typically need people at multiple locations. So we're just going to hop right back on onto Zoom. And it's like, what am I doing going to the office besides spending extra time making a commute, Mm -hmm. sitting in the office all day long with headphones on, making a commute back home. Mm -hmm. And that was what actually started the working from home pieces. We're like, at the time, there was only two of us on my team that were even in the same location. And we're like, why are we driving to the office every day? We're not even interacting that much because we're on different parts of the, of the project. And so we just started working from home, and pretty soon that became the thing. And mm-hmm. now it's an official thing, not just a handshake okay. with the manager. Yeah, with my uh, husband's role, um, he can do 99% of it from home. But they're asking him to come in three days a week now, which... The commute, I think after you've given up the commute, having to go back to it is hard. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'm, speak for him. <laughs> it's not I'm fun. 30 to 35 minutes away from where my desk would actually be. Mm-hmm. And the spot where my desk would be also gets a lot of traffic coming back in the evenings. So it's closer to an hour to get back home mm-hmm. every day. And like to spend another 90 minutes on the road, it's like I could spend 90 minutes doing the same work or extra work. Yeah. Because a lot of cases, I'll get up in the mornings and make breakfast, and then I'm online at 7, 7.30 in the morning, not mm-hmm. 8, 8.30. And then I'm still on it many times at 6, 6.30 because I get into things. When I had the commute, I was like, 5 o'clock's coming. I'm leaving because if I don't leave right at 5, I'm not going to get home for an hour and a half. I have to leave at a certain time. And I'm sure it's like not logging in. Once I get home, once I walk through the door, it's family time. Yeah. I think there's a misperception. Uh... Well, maybe it goes both ways. Some people are worried that their employees won't work enough if they're working from home. But honestly, I've talked to a number of people who they still have a harder time shutting it off when they're at home because, you know, their office is right there. It's so accessible Um, or they're using their commute time to actually work. So, I mean, it's going to be different for every person, every individual and every team and every different kind of work. But I mean, I think that these managers are you know, going to be, would realize that they're getting more, <laughs> especially if their employees are happier, but not having to drive all the time. I think in a lot of cases that goes back to the managers setting expectations and actually managing the performance. So it does make them have to do a little bit more than I think they do in a lot of cases when you're all in the office. There's some assumptions made that just because you're there and you're sitting at your desk that you're actually working in a lot of cases. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a picture of office space. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't mean you're necessarily working just because you're sitting at the, the desk. So it goes back to setting what are the things you're supposed to be working on? When are they supposed to actually be done? And making sure those things are getting done and having that communication between manager and employee to say, is stuff actually being done or not? Because the majority of time, People working from home are actually doing more work and getting things done faster. There's definitely not as many distractions. 
working in the office, I can't count how many times someone comes up. It's like, hey, we're going to the cafe to get a drink. You, you want to come? Well, three or four times a day of doing that. And then that turns into random discussions about things and you're gone for 20, 30 minutes in there. We're not working an extra 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. We're still leaving the office at the same time, still coming yeah. in at the same time. But at home, I walk out to the kitchen, get a drink, and I'm typically walking right back. It's like two minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm back to work in there. So we do get more stuff done. And there is the random rogue employee that is going to, and I don't think it's as bad now, but when it was first a thing in 15, 20 years ago, of people starting to work from home in a lot of the technology space, people saw that as, oh, I can play video games all day. Oh, I can get away with running all my errands and not putting in as much time. And, and so it got kind of a bad rap in a lot of cases, but it just went back to that. You got to manage performance just like you do in the office. Mm-hmm. This, And don't let the bad apples ruin it for all the other. 99% of the people are going to do actually more work and be more into it. Be happier with the work life. It's easier to hit all of your kids activities in, in there and mm-hmm. balance all of that, that out. A number of my team members, they're like, oh, I got a kid's softball game today. They'll leave for 30, 40 minutes. And then I see them come back and they're online for again after the game where before, if they had a 30, 40 minute commute and then they had a 30, 40 minute game, they're like, they're done. I'm done for the evening. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of productivity also just depends on your industry. Like, are you in a very mechanical or technical you know thing where you need to physically be doing something versus like a very creative kind of thing where if you go for a walk outside and you hear the birds chirping and the trees you know blooming or something like that all of a sudden you're like oh I got it eureka um come back and you get it done um so I guess it just depends on you know your your workflow and for some people they need the the sound of the office the buzz of the people talking other people that's just distracting the whole time yeah i would totally agree with that and i've had times over the stint of working from home where i've needed that as well but it didn't mean i needed to go to the office necessarily i used to work out of starbucks an awful lot in there i'd walk in there sometimes at 9 10 in the morning and i'd still be there at eight nine o'clock at night night doing stuff Mm -hmm. i would leave and go grab food and come back Mm -hmm. because they had power they had tables and they had internet and they had decent internet at my Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to get some of that seeing people, seeing the the buzz of it. But the Starbucks is like two minutes away from my house versus the office that was 30. Yeah. And, it, and our offices were fairly quiet for the most part. Our, where Starbucks has some interaction. And so it was a great opportunity to get out of the house. and Because it definitely at times is really easy to not get as motivated and in the office or in the your office at your house like you wake up you go make breakfast and you're like oh i'm i'm just not enjoying the thing i'm working on today it's so easy to go turn the tv on you're like i'm just gonna spend 20 minutes watching something as part of my breakfast and pretty soon two three hours later you're, and i've had those times where i've noticed oh i'm doing that more than i should be let me go someplace like Starbucks or a co-working yeah. place. I'd go to a co-working place first if I had one. Mm-hmm. There's not one anywhere close to me. And the closest Ooh. one is actually past where my work would have been. So oh. it'd be kind of oh, silly wow. to drive past work to go to co-working versus going into the, the office if I needed that. 
I have one a mile away from here and it, I was just, I mean, like days away from signing a contract with them right before the pandemic closed things down. Um, what I'm finding is that I'm needing a place that I can focus at night after my kids go to bed. Um, I have made friends with the waitress at IHOP. <laughs> and so I have a table that has, you know, power access and, um, but I'm still kind of thinking about that. 24 hour uh, workplace because I could, you know, get an after hours pass and go in sometimes. But frankly, it's just more that I just sometimes need a change of environment. You know, like my kitchen table is working for me. My husband's desk is working for me. I stand at it, sit at it. He's got a more comfortable chair than I do. And since he's gone now three days a week, I can just use it. This room that I'm in is my closet. Um, And the chair is old. I should probably replace it. But I'm only in here usually now for recording the podcast, which is, you know, one or two a week. So let's talk to real quick about working from Starbucks or places that aren't your actual home office. Because mm-hmm. in our home office, we typically have our desk set up. We've we've gotten all the accessories we need to make it comfortable. But having something on the go or sitting at something like a kitchen table where you may be taking that down and putting that back up each day because you might have family having dinner there. Mm-hmm. There's some accessories I always like to have and I always carry with me when I'm traveling. Like I have a stand that fully collapses down for the laptop so it raises it at eye level. There's nothing like putting your laptop on the actual table at Starbucks and looking down at it for hours. You're taller You're, than I am too, I bet. I'm 5'3". How about you? I'm about five, five and a half. So not okay. Not much taller. But those laptops, typically mm-hmm. the tables and laptops, you're staring at them in awkward angles. So you're short spurts, no problem. Mm-hmm. If you're going to sit there for a while, your neck yeah. starts to hurt. Yeah. But having a stand that can raise it up so, for eye level, so it was like 30 bucks. It's called the next stand. Hmm. I also have some small keyboard words that I can put into my bag that are portable keyboards, mm-hmm. not the big giant ones in there. And I like to get ones that still have full size keys, but maybe don't have a number pad on them. I don't use a hmm. number pad a ton. And so I don't need the extra width of that. Mm-hmm. I also carry a mouse with me in a good mouse, something that I enjoy, not just a the cheap mobile mice are really small. They normally aren't great. Find a mouse that you actually like to use. And I carry all of that in my bag. Mm -hmm. So when I go set up at various places, I have a good ergonomic setup that makes me actually want to work there. Mm -hmm. Doesn't leave me in pain afterwards. It's very easy to walk away and your arms hurt, your wrist hurt, your neck hurt, your back hurt. Yeah. So having those tools, stand, keyboard, mouse, at a minimum, helps out. I also, when I go work at other places like Starbucks, will carry a portable power strip with me. So mm-hmm. I got some really small power strips that I also travel with with when I go out of state. It, but bringing those to Starbucks, because if all the power outlets are taken, people are more than willing to let you plug in your power strip and then plug their stuff into your power strip so that you have power. Oh, so you're sharing. So you <laughs> I like up, it. Because sometimes you end up sharing. There's a limited amount of power uh-huh. outlets. And uh-huh. I've walked into Starbucks many times and there's multiple people all plugged in. I'm like, oh, there's no power outlets right now. There's a table, but yep. no power. And I can survive for a little bit, but the laptops I have tend to make it about 90 minutes to two hours. And then the battery's gone. And if, and that's on a great day. So yep. I need power in there. So bring in the power. Was that a, 
I was at a restaurant a few weeks ago. It was one of those days that I was trying to do an all-nighter. I think I went from one to two to three different places that day. Um, but the restaurant closed at nine. Um, when I walked in, I was eyeballing for the outlet. And there was one lady sitting at a really big table, like for eight people by herself with the outlet. And there was another little tiny little desk. It was almost like a wicker kind of desk. It wasn't, it almost looked more decorative than anything by the other outlet. So I like hunched over that one for a little while. Um, but I finally just turned around and I said, Hey, do you mind if I join you at this huge table? She's like, of course, of course. And then there was another guy who was like, Hey, we are done with the outlet. Do you mind if I come in and plug in too? And so I think that there's like, it's obvious that we're working on something, you know, they, I think they might've been students or I was, you know, doing work, work. Um, but I think there's like some camaraderie in, you know, the whole, we're in this for, you know, we're trying to make the most of the situation. Let's, you know, join forces and make it better <laughs> So um, I appreciate that about the work from home community that usually people understand um, and are willing to pitch in and, and share a table or share outlet with each other. Exactly. The other thing that is great for work from home is a good microphone for when you're in your actual home office mm -hmm. so that people can clearly hear you mm -hmm. and having a good set of headphones so that you can clearly hear them back without putting them on speaker. So many times you you have the speakers going and then it feeds back into the microphone and people get the echo and just put some headphones in. Yeah. And they don't always know that they're doing that. They don't know. Oh, you totally don't know that you have the echo going until someone mm -hmm. says something or somebody mutes you in, in the meeting. It's really easy to get a decent microphone phone in there. I see you've got a blue Yeti mic. I've got a sure MV seven of an USB microphone on in there right now. I'm wearing like $20 earbuds mm -hmm. in here that sound great allow me to hear you and they're comfortable to wear for long periods mm -hmm. i also have a set of headphones sitting on my desk for those times where i don't want to wear earbuds and i also have speakers for those times where i just want to listen to music and i'm not in mm -hmm. meetings mm -hmm. and then when traveling absolutely it's a must if you're going to go work at a open co-working space a starbucks bring some headphones or earbuds if you want to listen to anything in there and if you're gonna happen to have a meeting make sure you have some kind of a uh, either a portable microphone or have the ability to plug in headphones so you can actually at least hear the other people and everyone else in starbucks doesn't actually have to right. hear your videos your music mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. your conversations not everybody does that at starbucks and it's really distracting in there i feel like over the last two and a half years people have learned a little bit more about zoom etiquette <laughs> Yeah, so definitely um, a little bit more on the the Zoom side. But I'm still finding like not, not everyone got the memo. Um, I host a I host a well, it was weekly for me, but now I I rotate with two other hosts. So every three weeks, I help host a weekly meeting um, for children's entertainers, like balloon artists and clowns and magicians. But usually, the the topic is all centered around the balloons because that's what my daughter was into. Um, and I've actually interviewed a few people from that community in this podcast because a lot of them have day jobs as well. Um, but yeah, I have it in like the description for every single meeting, like here's some etiquette, you know, just to consider, you know, don't walk around. And like, if you're going to, and some of the balloon pumps that people use, the electronic ones are like really loud. It sounds like a elephant, you know, like, rawr. Um, and so yeah, mute yourself if you're going to be doing that, if you're not actually the one that's like demonstrating right now. Um, and so hopefully, or it seems as though people, you know, over time 
have have kind of figured that out or they've experienced the negative side of you know having everyone blasting their pumps or whatever they're doing um, while someone's trying to talk so they've learned um but it's it's getting better like my mom and you know some of the people that maybe hadn't been experienced on zoom have been able to figure out now um but it's still i'm surprised sometimes at how many people out there still are new to it it definitely has gotten better in there i will say zoom as well tries to help us out a ton by having the echo cancellation built in and it works a good 95 plus percent of the time i agree I'm in there and I, i've seen some crazy stuff in there where people are like can you hear the coffee grinder going to the background it's like oh, no oh. like zoom totally yeah. put that out i have the same thing when i run events if i don't turn on the right settings and i just have the default settings i go to play music through my microphone and it totally just makes it silent during that time. People are like, oh, wow. Like, oh, you were playing music? I was like, oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, we can't hear it at all. And I have to turn <laughs> on the, there are settings in there. That's what the, if you're in Zoom and see the original mm -hmm. sound for musicians that is off by default and resets every meeting. When you turn that on, it actually gets rid of a lot of that noise cancellation. So then, then I can do things like play music in addition to the audio through the mics. Okay. I have a microphone that acts as a software-based mixer so I can bring okay. up to nine different, actually eight ad additional ones to my microphone sounds in there. I can bring in hmm. music, I can bring in sound effects, other computers, music, music, browsers. I can do all kinds of stuff and it puts it out to Zoom as just one sound stream coming out. Mm -hmm. But if, I, if you don't turn on the right settings, you don't get to hear a lot of that stuff. So Zoom helps us out with all of that echo cancellation in there yeah. and trying to make the cameras look better and gives mm -hmm. us all kinds of settings as well to to help manage meetings things mm -hmm. like you can mute everybody by default when they come into the meeting that was nice i like yeah. that one actually because i've also, accidentally come into a meeting talking not knowing that i was going to be blasting everyone <laughs> yeah you can turn that on you can turn off the ability for people to unmute themselves or turn it back on during during the meeting so that, mm. that's great oh, that's if you're good. an event with a speaker mm -hmm. like you don't want people just to randomly unmute during and they do that. sometimes and they, they do yeah and they do and they do sometimes they mm -hmm. just do it totally accidentally don't even yeah. know they've pushed the the button in there you can also disallow people to share their screen or share whiteboards mm -hmm. there's all kinds of settings to help out with the zoom bombing and people accidentally doing things mm -hmm. in in there and you would think oh people aren't going to click the green share screen button and share their their screen unintentionally. Oh, they will. <laughs> and they, they do. I've been in meetings not because they Zoom bombed, but because the, they thought they were doing something they needed to be doing and accidentally shared something. I think, and half the time, it's the next presenter checking out something and accidentally clicked on the share, oh. share screen button. It's like, okay, mm. like we'll just turn that off until it's your time yeah. to actually present. There's, there's all kinds of security settings that you can actually set some are set before the meeting but a lot of them you can set on an individual meeting mm -hmm. level so when I yeah do i prefer to keep that um the share screen turned off until someone asks me oh may i share my screen oh yeah give me one second i'll just give you permission you know yep. so that it's not going to be and i think um when i met you on that rocket entrepreneurs rocket fuel summit she didn't allow screen sharing and i appreciate that because she said a lot of people would just go in and just like you know, throw up a whole PowerPoint presentation and just, you know, and it's not as natural as the conversation that she was aiming for. 
totally not not as natural. And I found it really funny this week in the news. I actually saw the article this morning that there was some government broadcast that was going to happen in the U U.S. sometime this week. And they actually ended up canceling it because of a Zoom bomber. They had something like 200 people waiting on this thing for some government department to, and it was a public, like they were going to give like stats on something like their quarterly thing that they do publicly. Like 200 and some people, like 230 people on this thing and somebody named Dan, according to the article I read, joined the meeting and started sharing very adult-like material oh boy. in the meeting and saying things that he shouldn't have said. Oh and I'm thinking, how after all this time of Zoom, and this is Did government. you let that happen? Because that was the people that were running the event. Didn't turn on any of the security settings. They let people come in unmuted. They let people unmute themselves. They let people share their screen. It was like, you're just asking for trouble. And chances are, anybody could get that link to come into the, that meeting. Anybody probably could register. Somebody potentially posted the Zoom even on some site that that person found and went, oh, I'm going to go and see if I can have fun with this meeting. It's like, if you just do basic mm -hmm. Zoom security mm -hmm. etiquette, and that's the thing that always kills me as an event producer, that those things like that take literally 30 seconds to set the meeting right. correctly mm -hmm. to prevent those things. I know the meeting that I run every week, or I actually post all of the events, but we don't share the Zoom ahead of time. Like you get it on an as needed basis about an hour before we start and you get it from a closed group. <laughs> so exactly. Oh boy. Um, and you needed to answer questions to get in, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And that's the crazy part about when people say, Oh, I got a zoom bomber. And it's like, it's like, wait a sec. Like you should turn on the right security settings and, and having a waiting room on, yes, that may stop somebody if you don't know that person coming in. But if you're running an event, you're not going to know all 230 people. Yeah. And there's no way you're going to actually go and check to make sure everyone's who they say they are that's jo joining. There's just not enough time. We run these events and we open them up even 10, 15 minutes before. You may have 100 people in that waiting room. There's no way you're going to scan a list of 100 people and and get them in until so you need those security settings to be turned on in the right order there. It also helps to have somebody that's not you as the host. And this is where someone like Watching. me comes in yeah. to actually doing the monitoring. So if we see something happening, even if we turn all the security settings on, mm -hmm. it's very easy to share stuff still through video in there. Yeah. I have video so for in here. Like I can actually do little confetti and oh, fireworks yeah. and like, so it wouldn't so be that hard for me to put a video in there. Their own uh, feed they to can something their, inappropriate. Their feed of the video, and I'm using free software to do it mm -hmm. in there. But if you have somebody monitoring that, they can turn off the video. And if I turn off a participant's video, they can only turn it back on if I let them actually turn it back on. Mm -hmm. And if I start seeing them posting things in the chat that, that are inappropriate, and I know some people are going to go, oh, we just won't let them chat. Well, that's how you build the community at these events is letting mm -hmm. people chat. If you're not going to let them unmute and you're not going to let them chat, you're back to webinar at that point. Yeah. So the chat's normally turned on. But if you see somebody posting things that aren't appropriate in there, yeah. if someone's monitoring, you can kick them out of the meeting. And if you set your account up right, you don't let people that got kicked out back Come into the back meetings. In. Yeah, absolutely.
So having that moderator helps ensure that even if you did get Zoom bombed after all, you put the security in there, that you can get them out sooner than later. Yeah. They're not floundering. You're not and floundering that to noticed. figure it out. And they <laughs> actually ended that. Yeah. In the government meeting I was talking about, they actually ended the meeting before it started. Like they didn't know. It sounded like from the article that they didn't necessarily know what to do and how to fix it. And so they just went with the nuclear reaction and said, <laughs> we'll we're just, just going to end it. the whole meeting and we're going to skip the, this whole meeting oh, and wow. we'll reschedule it. It was like, you could have just kicked the person out and set the security center. But chances are they didn't have anyone on the meeting that knew. Probably panicked. What they were yeah. Doing. They had the panic moment. They probably only knew how to start the Zoom meeting up in there, not how to set all the right stuff in there. So they had no option mm. left. And if you're doing something like I do for my clients where they're running a one day event or a three day event and they're going to be selling, when I say high end ticket packages, most of them are ten to $15,000 in there if you're selling a ten thousand dollar program last thing you can afford to do and that's how your business can make money is to actually cancel your event so mm -hmm. you got to be able to manage these things and set them right to to start with and that's the so crazy you, part that it still happens are you working with a lot of entrepreneurs then i work with i mainly work with entrepreneurs authors coaches speakers okay and their whole goal is to actually be able to sell their coaching programs in there mm -hmm. And so they, the one in three day events, the reason that they're, they are one, one day is the absolute shortest. Most of them do three days mm -hmm. because we need the amount of time in order to bu build up the rapport, be able to paint the vision of what could your future self actually look like? If you were to go through and do all the things that we've talked about in here, here what could your future life actually look like? Well, in three days, I can't build everything for you but I can get you to see the future life. Hmm. If, and so then when they make their offer, it's like for that thing that we just painted that you are saying you really want in order to actually get there, here's the program that I'm going to actually give you all the detailed steps and work with you to get there. And so that's where they make those offers and it's their money making for their business. They do those one to three times a year in there. And so if you get a hundred people on the event, last thing you want to do is, cancel your event it's hard enough to get people to register and to show up and right once they're there like you want to keep them there right justin let's change gears for a second i'm thinking um since you did you say that you've worked from home for 23 out of the last 26 years i have had two stints in the last 23 years both about five six years where i have worked from home on full time in there like okay. never going to the office mm -hmm. this so about half of the time I have been in the day job and I've always had things I've done on the side. Mm -hmm. That's one of the, it's great to be in the tech industry, but one of the disadvantages of being in the tech industry is things are always changing, especially in software development. So there's a, is a lot of learning and a lot of things that I end up doing on my own in order to keep the skills up. The thing I've unfortunately noticed in my industry is the people that don't do that at some point in time, technology passes them by. Mm -hmm. And then there's when layoffs come, downsizing, and the cool projects, like you don't get on any of those. Yeah. It's because you don't have those skills any longer. So I did, I've always had times where even when I didn't work from home, I still had stuff going on the side. Even if it wasn't a business, it was just learning stuff in there. So I've always had a home office 
set up in my house. And I've had some ergo issues over, over the years long before I was in the tech world. So I've always had the ergonomics set up, the external mm. monitors, the mm. keyboards, the, the mice to go with the lap, yeah. laptops in there. And I've always had that nice setup. Yeah, I'm thankful that when I started working from home, I guess it would have been about 13 years ago, that it was a requirement that we had to basically show that we, you know, had the equipment. Well, I tried to cheat <laughs> and they said, you need to have, you know, if you have a set table, you need to have a keyboard tray. And I just set the keyboard tray on the arms of my chair. So it looked like it was there, but I never installed it. And sure enough, within the year, I was like dying. <laughs> so don't skimp on the ergonomic if you're doing this at a desk all the time. Um, I was going to ask if you could chat a little bit about the the evolution of the work from home experience, um, some of the tech tools that you've kind of adapted along the way, um, things that have helped you overcome some of the problems that you had maybe earlier on. Absolutely. And definitely technology has changed a lot over the years. You know, internet's gotten way faster. Because I'm working from home, I pay for the fastest internet that my provider offers. Thankfully enough, it's actually a reasonable, really reasonable price. I used to, I got a gig down and about 40 megs up, which is fantastic for doing all the work from home. So, so definitely get the fastest internet you can have. If you are in a spot where you are dependent on the internet, consider even getting a second internet in the house. Yeah, I, I have friends that have done that. I've considered it, but I haven't needed it, needed it recently. Um, but definitely. Um, so it sounds like I might have the same plan as you do. Are you on fiber or is it like the Giga Blast, whatever? I because I am outside of the Phoenix area, we actually don't have fiber in my area. So yeah. it's just regular cable. I'm hoping they'll get fiber. They keep saying mm -hmm. that they're gonna work on same for me, and I'm in it. Gilbert, so yep. <laughs> And the reason I actually got the second internet is because I'm running events and my events business depends on the internet. I had mm. some times where my fast internet, it would just randomly go out for two or three minutes. And, and I was having that several times a week and it took them a while to figure out what the heck wow. was going on. Cause they'd show up at the house and be like, you have the best internet actually out of all of your neighbors. You have the lowest error rate. Like we don't see anything. We don't even see that your modem went off line in there but the last thing i need is i'm going to do something in the event and all of a sudden it's like oh my zoom is hung up because it's waiting for the internet to, to actually come back did you figure and, it out yeah they have done a few things in there that have made it more stable they found the lines needed to be cleaned out a little bit mm -hmm. they found they had some errors on their side that were totally unrelated to my particular house hmm but was affecting houses like some server down the line that was throwing errors that it would randomly throw errors down the lines. Hmm. And then because I had such good internet at the house that I was a little bit more susceptible to some of those errors oh. that would come down. And so what I did is I actually threw the phone line because you can't have two cable companies in, in the house. They typically just doesn't work that way. And so I actually have DSL in the house it is way slower. It's a hundred megs down. Mm -hmm. And I think now we're up to like 20 megs up. Mm -hmm. But is that for the rest of the household stuff? And so I actually run events more on that now because it's been super stable. Okay. Not once in nine months has that thing even blipped. Yes, it's mm -hmm. slower. Mm -hmm. I would not run all of my normal 
household stuff on there. I wouldn't want to stream multiple Netflix and download big file. Right. I was on it. But for running something like Zoom, for VPNing into the day job, for doing all the business kind of stuff, it is plenty fast for that. And it's stable. And if it goes down, I literally walk three feet over, unplug the one cable, plug in the next cable, and I'm back up in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to wonder, when is the actual internet going to come up? Because I depend on the internet for it. Mm -hmm. If I didn't depend on it for business, yeah, I could just let it go down for a while, call the day job and be like, hey, my internet's actually out. I'll be back up whenever it comes up. Yeah. And I'd be, they'd be okay with, with it. I'd probably feel guilty, but they'd be like, yeah, it happens. Oh, but when you're doing something like, oh, clients are paying me thousands of dollars yeah. to do something for them and I have to do it real time because they're on a Zoom meeting and they're, they're getting ready to make their offer and I literally need to make their buttons appear on their dashboard and I need to record their offer for something later and need to drop stuff in chat. Like, I can't just be like, oh, yeah, sorry, my internet's that. down right, right now. And I have horrible cell phone signal too at the house, mm, which so is no why I went DSL because that was... I tried that option, tried the T-Mobile, and mm -hmm. T-Mobile was like a meg and a half down and like 0.25 up. And I was like, yeah, I can't even like get a web page to come up. It was so slow because I had bad cell phone signal at the house. So my bad thing, and I'm losing my voice, I think. Um, my thing that happened was I was working night shift. And so they would always do all the repairs in the middle oh, of totally. the night between 2 and 4 a.m., which is like... I was, yep. I was typing for a hospital. I was taking phone calls from doctors and doing these things on a rush. These people are getting rushed into trauma surgery. They need it right now. And it wasn't cool to lose my internet for two hours. Um, I actually ended up with a battery backup so that if the power went out, I, could, I was the only person in the entire block who'd be online. Yep. And then um, when I started teaching online, I was teaching English for a while um, for like three years full time. I started hotspotting in those events. Like if I lost my signal, I could at least hotspot to get through until it came back up because I couldn't, I couldn't leave. I mean, they had a terrible um, absence policy. Like if you were, if you missed, um, I think it was like three sessions within like six months, you could get fired. <laughs> I mean, exactly. it was brutal. Yeah, so you, you, you don't, you don't play. <laughs> yeah. You don't play in, in those areas in there and some so that's one spot in technology fastest internet that you can get if you're truly dependent on it you can't be down for like if you can be down for five minutes like okay like you can probably survive with that but if not like get the second internet and it's 60 bucks a month 66 actually i think for the for the dsl okay you know for the amount of money that it has saved me from losing mm -hmm. I think, Keeping your clients, clients happy. Yeah, because even thankfully enough, I had good relationship with the clients that before I had the DSL where I was having those cable modem issues, I had good relationships with them. But I, you still have to go now smooth those over like, oh, I'm sorry that I disappeared on your event for a little bit and that you had a panic mo moment mm -hmm. in there. Like, that's not my intent. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, no, 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 no. Like, and especially a couple of my bigger clients, a couple of them have millions of followers on Facebook. They're big names in the their industry and there's a potential for them to introduce me to all kinds of people so the last thing i need is for them to go yeah he's kind of works some of the time but mm -hmm. not all like just 66 bucks you don't want to be well, flaky well work yeah. yeah i'm like okay you're gonna pay me 
several thousand dollars, even a thousand dollars to spend $66 a month. It's like, okay, it's a drop in the bucket in the overall scheme of how much it is saving me. So definitely those pieces. I think a lot yep. of people are saying that, you know, now that they've had so much smart technology in their homes, that it's be better to, is it two routers that they're recommending to have uh, one set up for their smart equipment? You know, I, I am on the fence a little bit about some of that stuff because I have a internet based business in there. There's no hiding it in there. I have to put myself out there. I, I'm on social media for business. And so I know from the technology side, the whole, I want my privacy still is kind of a bit of a fallacy. If you're going to be on social media and putting yourself out there and, or, and so I don't worry as much about, oh, I need to segment all the stuff because what if my Alexa is listening to me and grabbing uh -huh. data? It's like, there's mm -hmm. nothing they're going to grab that isn't already out on my social media that hasn't already been found out about me with having an internet-based business in there. So I worry less about those pieces because I know it's inevitable, even if I put the security in place, it's inevitable that at some point something's going to slip out. There's hackers all over the world always trying yeah. to get into, into stuff. And it's just a matter of time. It's not you actually if, went it's a, when. You went a very different direction with that than I thought yeah. because I was just thinking bandwidth. You know, yeah. like people say that all their smart light bulbs and, you know, echoes or whatever they have, Google stuff is just taking and all the extra streaming TVs around the house are just taking up a lot of bandwidth. I never thought about the security part. Yeah, I know that some, yeah. some jobs don't allow you to have the, the, um, those products if you're, you know, in certain industries, but I guess some people might try to get around that. Wow. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about the bandwidth thing since you, you brought it up. Even having two routers, if you still have one internet, mm -hmm. you still have the same amount of bandwidth. You'd have to have two different ones. Yeah, because at the end of the day, those two routers go into one pipe yeah. and go out. And so if you had separate internets, yes, you could look at potentially segmenting them off. It also becomes a pain to, to segment them off a little bit. Like my office actually is segmented off from the rest of my house right, right now. That's because I've done a couple in-person events and I have some travel stuff set up so that when I dismantle the equipment, I don't have to reset everything when I go on site for a client event in there. Hmm. But it also means if I don't put everything onto that office network, I can't actually get to it. So for a little while, my lights are actually internet controlled for my video lights. Well, they were on the house network, not the office network. And so I kept having to pull out my phone to turn them on on and control that them in there versus the software on the computer hmm. the stream deck that i have to that'll allow me to push a button to turn them back on on same thing for i can adjust up and down the brightness of my lights with a push of a button well if they're not on the same network then i got to pull my phone out in the middle of meetings and try to adjust it versus let me just reach over and push the button that i physical button i have to actually adjust the those hmm. things but they still need to be on the same network so they're definitely when you start getting into multiple internets and, and multiple routers and having them communicate together, like you've taken your tech to the kind of the next level. And it's not something I would recommend the average person actually worry about. And even with the two internets, treat them truly as two internets. 
I don't try to make my two internets talk to each other at all. Like they're totally separate internets. I'm either going to be on one or I'm going to be on the other. Mm -hmm. And if a device is on one, it's not going to be communicate to the other. Okay. It's a, it's a so, backup and a primary is what. And you would want to have them with two different providers so that if one provider is doing maintenance, because if you had both of them on the same provider, um, even if you're paying for two different cables coming in, you would still be down at the same time. Yeah. And the way that they work, things like cable modems or even like DSL through the phone lines, they don't have the option to, typically to bring in a second line. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, it's all going to go out through the same set of, of lines in there. So you can't even actually buy a second cable modem from the same company and even yeah. separate companies you typically can't buy them because there's no way for them to really separate out that signal in the house. It's all going to go over the same wiring. Oh. So you'd have to set your house up. They'd have to with, like, put There's a whole lot in. of ways to do yeah. it, which is why I went cable and DSL. Hmm. Or you could go cable and if you don't have DSL, you potentially there's satellite with Starlink. Hmm. There's cell phone, hmm. phone stuff if you're in an area where you can actually get that, mm -hmm. those pieces. So, yeah, it's really important for people that want to work from home to make sure that their internet options are going to be compatible. Um, I actually was looking when my husband was job hunting before we came to Arizona, we thought he might work in Kansas City. And there was a cute rental. It was out in the country, but it was past like a, a stream or a river. Um, and therefore it didn't have cable out there and they only had satellite. And my company would not allow us to use satellite. Yeah, at the time it was probably pretty slow. I don't, I have not looked at Starlink recently, but there are some promises around there. Mm -hmm. But let's also get back to your original question of other technology and how it's changed. The evolution. Over, over time and that evolution, definitely the resolution and size of monitors is changed. Mm -hmm. I've always had external monitors in there, but 15 years ago, like a 15 to 17 inch monitor was as big as you could kind of and get maybe you could get up to a 21 inch monitor but those things weighed like 100 pounds and you took two of you to move the things and and mm -hmm. they were super expensive so a lot of people didn't have those yeah now we can go down to heck you can go to walmart or even and you can spend 150 bucks and get a 27 inch inch monitor in here and so you can and laptops also support multiple monitors so you can get more than one mm -hmm. in there and I find having a couple monitors is really helpful to be able to keep things on one screen that is more static, like my team's chat in there, another screen to work work in there. So getting the monitors in there, definitely getting a good keyboard and mouse. Mm -hmm. now, a lot of times the ones is that if you're not on a laptop and you got a desktop, the ones that come with it aren't the best. They're, they're including it in there. They're kind of cheap in there. Mm -hmm. find some good ones that you actually like i've been really big into the mechanical keyboard space is over the last year I aren't they loud the, though they can be they can definitely be on the the loud spot but i'm the only one in the office i'm working for from home and so i actually enjoy mm -hmm. that that sound i've been a real fan of the keychron keyboards they're actually really reasonably priced keyboards because a lot of mechanical keyboards are hundreds of dollars Keychron for the most part is under a hundred dollars in there. I also prefer not to get wireless keyboards and mice mm -hmm. because you get interference in the office, batteries die. I like to just have the comfort of having a wired mouse, having a wired keyboard, 
or and they're not having to worry about did my Bluetooth connectivity work work mm -hmm. right today or did something interfere? Did somehow it lose the connectivity? And mm -hmm. so I always go for the the wired sp space for both of those in there. I'm curious because I um I'll be curious to know what kind of mouse you use. I am currently using a Corsair, I think it's an M65 Elite. So it's I actually got a gaming mouse mm -hmm. in there. It also has weights that you can put in or out out of the actual mouse to change how it feels. Wow. Because of my ergo issues, I don't like heavy mice. Mm. It's, but I also like the responsiveness of the gaming mice because typically they have a way more sensitive sensor in, in there so that glides across things way better. And so I just pay a little bit more, more for it. It's like a $40, $50 other mouse. I actually have like three of them right, right now. Oh, I've fun. got a desk <laughs> behind me that has one on it. I've got one in my laptop ba bag. I've got one on the desk that I'm sitting in front of right now. And that's another thing that's evolved over time is the stuff that I use consistently. Many times I actually have a set that's in the laptop bag. Mm. So especially not as much now with the whole pandemic thing and not going out as much, but definitely before the pandemic, I just wanted in the, if I needed to go someplace, unplug the, the laptop, stick it in the bag. I had an extra charger for the laptop if, in most cases. And so I just put it in the bag and I was ready to go. Everything was already there. I didn't have to disconnect the, the mouse and keyboard and pack it all up. And mm -hmm. so I had all of that stuff actually set. I also have a really good laptop bag. I love the OGIO. O -G -I -O. Oh, hmm. I love their bags. I'm trying it's, to think of what I have. Mine is the like the Swiss, whatever that is. Yeah, and so the bag I, I have in there, I think I have the Renegade one right, right now. The first model I bought, that thing lasted me 10 years and it's mm -hmm. still a great bag. I literally got rid of it for one reason. The very bottom started to fray a tad bit. It, and as I was speaking at conferences, I thought that's a bad representation of the company if I'm walking in with a bag that's a little frayed at the, mm. at the bottom. It wasn't even impacting anything, wasn't gonna go through any of the pouches or anything, mm -hmm. but it just didn't look as professional and I wanted, didn't want that look going in there, but we still use it all the time when we're traveling for stuff because it's great for the kids to travel with and right. it's a giant size bag and it's still in great shape. And so they last forever. Yeah, I paid a hundred and like thirty, hundred and forty dollars for the bag, but I got ten plus years of usage out of that thing. So mm -hmm. and you're still using a, it. A year, it's like versus you go and get the twenty, thirty dollar bag at Walmart and Target every year and a half, two years at a minimum, you're replacing those things because the straps have ripped on it. It's mm -hmm. like, well, I spent less than you did. I just had to spend more up front mm -hmm. and it lasted. So getting a good laptop bag has definitely ch changed over time. The, the initial laptop bags were all the like shoulder briefcase kind of stuff, or you yeah. threw it into a bag. Now they actually have padded laptop bags to, mm -hmm. to protect your gear and have room for lots of things. So you can take your books and your accessories and everything with you, your water bottles and everything and put them in there. So definitely that has changed over time. Cameras and microphones have definitely changed. There was yeah. no webcam and there was no video conferencing when I first started yeah. working from home. And even when we started going the Skype route, 
back way back in the day like video was horrible and it was oh, yeah. clunky and it was it was slow in a lot of ca cases in there now we don't have for the most part the people that are working from home tend to have good internet good video quality but i definitely still recommend get an external webcam if you're going to do a lot of video conferencing get, mm -hmm. get something that looks good because a lot of built-in cameras they're still grainy. They still look like they're 15, 20 years old, old mm -hmm. and the resolution that they provide. And there's, if you're going to do a lot of video conferencing and it actually has an impact on people's outcomes and their, how they're feeling about those conferences, spend the money in you can get everything from a Logitech C922 to a Logitech Brio. Elgato's got several cameras in there and they range all from 80 bucks up to two to three hundred dollars in there easy to get my logitech is a 1080p i don't know what that means i'm looking at perfect. it perfect um so i don't think i spent that much for it though like 20 30 bucks maybe yeah well the unfortunately the pandemic's raised a lot of those prices and they haven't necessarily come back down oh. they've come down a little ways yeah you know at one point oh. during the pandemic those 80 dollar cameras were 150 dollar cameras they're back mm -hmm. down to like 90 to hundred dollars. So they're, they're getting down there there again, but getting a decent webcam for the video, getting, as we mentioned earlier, a decent microphone, the microphone quality definitely has changed a lot over time and, and they become way more affordable for a mm -hmm. good high quality mic. 15 years ago, if you wanted a good high quality mic, you were going to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for those things. Closer to the thousand dollar range for a really good right. mic. Like so, we all back then had thirty dollar headsets because there was not a whole lot between thirty dollars and eight hundred dollar microphones. And hmm. Now you can get really good mics. I know your mic is right around a hundred dollars. That Blue Yeti, mine with the Shure MV7, is around two hundred and fifty dollars. There's and they sound great. My microphone definitely keeps out a lot of outside sounds and so I don't have to be in a super super quiet space in order mm -hmm. to get good microphone when sounds coming through yeah a lot of them are directional so as long as you've got them pointing I think you actually helped me know how to do my settings when I I I was really embarrassed the first time I met you because I had just bought the blue yeti and then I realized it probably wasn't like a high you know highly respected microphone <laughs> I, I know it was on a high end yeah. but you're like no I, no 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 you can just change this and do this yeah. setting in this and you told me to turn the game you know this way and and then it's working yeah I have two of those that granted I'm not using them anymore because I've upgraded my microphones since that time but if I was to go and just need to record an in-person event where they weren't going to have the right setup but just like could you just get a decent audio and video just so we can capture it for our own self? I can bring one of those blue Yetis and put it on the right setting and just literally set it at the front of the room and it'll do a great job recording them. It'll record the audience in there. So they still make great microphones in that case. And if I didn't have the mic I had now and didn't want the software-based mixer, I could easily go back to a blue Yeti and be very content with it. You mentioned a little bit ago, kids. So are you, have you been trying to work from home all these years with a family running around or are they gone now? So now my daughter is a freshman in college this year. 
But when I first started working from home, my daughter was like three at the time. So and, running around. <laughs> and so running, running around. And so at that, that time, it was hard for both the kid and for the wife to know when can I actually come in the office? When's it okay to knock mm -hmm. on, on the mm -hmm. office door? Mm -hmm. or, so what we did years ago is we got basically an on-air light that sits oh, outside nice. the office. <laughs> That's so classic. Yeah, and and they actually make one when it's the it's called the Link Light from Embrava, mm -hmm. and so it hooks up actually through USB to the computer. It can track the time. It could track my Skype status. Now it can actually track my Zoom status, and so it'll detect if I'm in meetings. It can actually turn the light red, so when they round the corner, they know, oh. Justin's in a meeting right now. Like, let's so, not knock on the door and they can see green when I'm not in the It the actually meeting. knows, not just like you had to remember to turn it on and remember to turn it off. It actually knows. It, it actually knows. And I can still manually set the thing if, which I've done at times if I'm in the middle of something where I really need to concentrate. Like, I can turn it on even when I'm not in, in a meeting. And so they know if they see green, even if the door is closed, they can at least come knock on the door, door in there. If the light's red, like, nope. And one of the cool things too is that also, at least you don't get this as much in Zoom meetings, but if you had a Zoom phone, you could. But back in Skype, people could actually call you. And so it would actually ring. And, and so I could be out in the other room if I was making lunch or something and somebody from work tried to call, it would ring and I could go back in the office and see who is it? Do I actually need to answer the phone on right now in there? And so that was a great, great device to have. Like, I think at the time I paid probably 40 bucks for the for the thing. And that was back in like 2004 and I still have that same one. It still works fantastic today. Now that my daughter's in, in college and there's no other kids in the house, I don't use it nearly as much because I can just communicate to my wife and say, hey, I'm gonna be recording a podcast with April real this morning from these hours. Whereas, so she knows, oh, don't come and knock on the door. Don't come, mm -hmm. come pushing the door open and say good morning. And yeah and everything but when you can't tell a three-year-old hey if the door is closed like don't go knock don't go open the door like it's not gonna happen but it was really easy with the light for them to go oh if it's a red light that means dad's not available yeah. if it's green like have at it knock on the door open the door feel free to to come in and so that was a great technology piece that and yes i could have built my own on-air light being the techie and i looked at that and i went why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> yeah, I can't build something for less than what I could pay for it. And my zone of genius is not doing soldering and the electronics side of it. Mm -hmm. My zone of genius is taking the technology and figuring out how to actually use the already built piece of technology, not building all the circuit boards. And so I was like, no, I'll just, I'll just mm -hmm. buy the thing, stick it out there. And it worked and still works fantastic to just know what is actually going on. Can I actually go in the office or, or not in there? And it's still a challenge with, with kids. There's still a, you've got to work with them to, to let them know there's a separation between home and, and work. And during these hours, like dad's, even though he's home, dad's working like, mm -hmm. and so definitely we had to have the, those conversations. And as they get older, it definitely gets easier. But you also, as the person working from home, have to balance that out depending on the kid's age. Yeah. You know, at three, like I'd remember at lunchtime, 
I actually need to come out and maybe spend a little, little time. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't just ignore the kid the whole day. Like I was at, had commuted off to work because Mm -hmm. they know I'm in the office. Yeah. They want to see me. They want to interact, interact. And so I would make that time at, on lunch hours. If I took a break, I would go Mm -hmm. out and spend a few minutes with them and I'd make sure to, to take some breaks and, it's one of the and best parts of working from home. It, it, it just, is. Um, there's a few people out there that um, mistakenly think that they can maybe watch their toddler, infant, baby, you know, elementary school children full time <laughs> um, while working from home. And that's not always, um, it depends on what industry you're in, but yeah. probably if you're only doing not meetings all day and you don't need to interact. And yeah, you, you can do those kinds of things, but it's really hard to, to actually babysit a kid and try to actually get work done because you're on their timetable not on yeah on to be a good parent table. and a good employee is yeah. not usually going to work out um we worked opposite shifts from each other for many years i worked nights he worked days uh, but we still need to have um we still needed to have in-home help for about four hours a day just so i could sleep yep that you so. do and then the other technology piece that i find is good is to have some kind of a timer you can use your phone these days. It's easy enough to set a, yep. a timer. But I also have a little cube timer that has two minutes, 10 minutes, 20 and 25 minutes on it. Mm-hmm. And so I would actually set that thing as my reminder that I actually need to get up and walk away every so yeah. often because it's very easy working from home to start at 7 a.m. and still be sitting in your chair at mm-hmm. 12.30 in the afternoon, go grab some food and then sit in your chair for another four or five hours and not actually get out of the the chair so having that timer was just my reminder even if i didn't get up like look away from the monitor for a little bit like give the eyes a a break maybe stretch out the hand stretch out the body a little stand up for a moment or two in there so having that is i found mm -hmm. that super viable now i use the phone a lot Mm because now i'm working from home i'm just by myself and so i'll just literally tell either Siri or Alexa, like go and set a timer for this much time. Yeah. I'm in there and I do the same thing actually for meetings. That's one of the, it's one of my other tricks for working from home. If I have meetings during the day, Mm -hmm. one of the first things I do every morning is look at my meeting schedule and set an alarm on my phone for about five minutes before the meeting starts. So smart. Also, I tend to miss a lot of my meetings. I just get into work and Mm -hmm. time just flies by and then I'm like, oh crap, I was supposed to be in in a meeting and Thankfully, I have some really good team members that will cover for me. But I've also, <laughs> for those meetings where I'm actually a vital participant in the, or the one leading it, I've gotten more, more than one message over time that has said, hey, are you actually going to come to the meeting? And it's like, okay, I got to find a way around this because I can only do that so many times. Yeah. Before then they start feeling like, especially before the pandemic, not so yeah. much since, but before they definitely had that feeling of, it's just an actually working. And I never wanted mm. to give that impression because i knew it was such a privilege Mm -hmm. to be able to work from home because we didn't have an actual work from home policy that said you could do more than one day a week Mm -hmm. and i was doing five days a week Mm -hmm. with a manager handshaking i was like i want to make sure do this right leave the impression that i'm off goofing off because i'm missing all my meetings yeah so just setting those timers make sure that i don't forget the meeting and make sure i'm on time actually for the meetings it almost sounds like you get so focused sometimes that you need almost like the reverse Pomodoro method, like the timer to help you just stop working to remember where to go next, where um, yeah. a lot of us need to try to focus until the timer goes off. <laughs> yeah. And 
And for the the meeting timers, it's definitely a don't forget to actually attend your your meetings. Like I had one actually set for our podcast because I knew it's not something I normally do at mm-hmm. the hour that we're recording. So I normally yeah. don't have a meeting this early. And so I knew I was already working on some stuff for the business that if I didn't set that timer, I was going to work right through it and I was going to get a message from you about 10 out after we were supposed <laughs> to be on going, hey, are we still actually uh-huh. doing our podcast has day? So I set those pieces. I still like the other timer cube for the Pomodoro stuff. That's why it's great that it has the the 25 minute one mm-hmm. one on there. And so I can actually do those pieces. And I've done the Pomodoro method over a number of years at various times. And for those that don't know the Pomodoro method, it is picking a single t- task that you want to work on, being hyper-focused as the only thing you're going to do. And you do that for 25 minutes. You don't check your email. You don't go do the other, anything else besides that task. 25 minutes is up. You take a five minute break and then you do that again for two more rounds. And then on the fourth round, when it's up, you take a 15 minute break and you just keep rinsing and repeating. And most people can average six to eight good Pomodoro sessions a day Mm -hmm. because you're super hyper-focused in Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. I was looking around. I, (laughs) I'm like, I haven't, and they actually recommend using like an old fashioned egg timer. Um, rather than, you know, some digital thing. Cause, um, I don't know, for some reason, I think that we almost, I have a story. I turned off, um, an alarm on the echo dot. Actually, I've been sleeping through those lately. Like they're not waking me up. And I was taking a one hour nap on the couch the other night. My husband called me from his phone, from his bed upstairs, from our bed upstairs that I wasn't in being like, you got an alarm going off. And so I canceled it verbally and I, you know, said thanks to him. I hung up the phone the next morning. I was like, why didn't I wake up? Like, and, um, apparently in my, in my brain, I didn't, I talked to him. I turned off an alarm and I still didn't register that happened. Yep. So yeah, the physical known... alarm that you have to go yeah. and physically turn off is more helpful. Exactly. And that's why I like setting it on, on the phone. And I have on my phone, it's an Apple iPhone. I have Siri set so that it doesn't actually respond without me pushing the button. So I actually have to go and push the button on the thing. I can't just tell it mm. across the room to actually turn off the alarm. The one that's helping me right now is my oven timer. That yes. one I have to turn off and it keeps going. My microwave will beep, but it'll stop. My oven will keep going Keep going until I go get it. Um, I use my phone extensively. I have an Apple iPhone too. And I use um, anytime I have a meeting. So my... Um, I think my Zoom meetings actually already have like an automatic reminder for me. Um, but my, like if my kids have a birthday party or anything's happening that's outside of the normal schedule, I always have two reminders set. Like one one hour before, one one day before, you know, or 10 minutes before, depending on the situation. Um, and I, I would die if I didn't have those, I would lose everything. Yeah, the reason I went with the actual timers and not, the, and I still have the reminders, my phone is silenced 99% of the, the time. And I got used to that working in a cubicle office environment mm-hmm. for years and then working at Starbucks. There is nothing like constantly hearing ding, 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 ding all day long from people's reminders. There's people's phone calls. So because I don't like that as a courtesy to others, I've always muted my phone. Well, that also mutes the reminders 
at the mm. same time, but the alarms aren't muted. The alarms will right. actually go off. And so that's mm -hmm. great for the, mm -hmm. the working from home, home in there. And even though I'm in the home office by myself, there's still times where I forget to turn back on the actual phone al alarms in there, but the timers will still go off. Mm -hmm. And then on the digital timer front for the Pomodoro, I originally got the digital timer when I was working out of Starbucks because the particular cube that I have had the ability to just flash blue lights at me. Oh, nice. Versus going off verbally. And so that was great for someplace like Starbucks and co-working because I didn't disturb anybody mm -hmm. else, but I could clearly see that, and it was just like three or four small LEDs enough that I could see it, but it didn't flash the whole, whole place. But I could do that and not have to worry about the verbal side of it and disturbing right. people and wondering why is this random alarm going off and I actually bought an Apple Watch um when when uh Sprint got bought out by T-Mobile um they more or less gave us a brand new phone and um a good deal on an Apple Watch to go with it because we ha we were forced to switch <laughs> um they're like we'll try to sweeten the deal a little um and I haven't been wearing it recently I think that I am of an age where now I need um bifocals <laughs> <laughs> but I can just make the font bigger too. But um, the the tactical alarms was, were helpful too for being discreet, but still feeling them. Um, any big changes in your routine over the years? Oh, I would definitely say over the years, I've become more of an early riser so over the years. Mm -hmm, me too. I, I definitely used to be the night owl that be up till one, two in the morning. And mm -hmm. over the years, I still tend to stay up till 11, 12 o'clock, but I've kind of found that about six hours of sleep most times is my sweet spot. Yep. But, and I saw some article, I don't even remember where it was a few years back that also mentioned 90 minute increments for sleep helps your body wake up. So like six hours, seven and a mm -hmm. half hours, nine hours. And so that six hour mark, I just tried it out. And I was like, it happens to just work for, mm -hmm. for me. So I'm typically up before the family would get up, which allowed me to get some extra stuff done that wasn't work related necessarily. But mm -hmm. like if I wanted to read a book or watch some YouTube videos, of stuff, mm -hmm. it didn't take away from family time. And because I'm going to still bed at 11, 12 o'clock at night, the family's still going to bed roughly around the same time or even yeah. slightly earlier that I still got to have that family time in there. So that, that definitely has been a big change over the last few years in there. And then we also become way more into planning what we're going to, to actually do, making sure that we plan out lunches early, dinner, there's early in there as we've been trying to eat healthier. We find if we don't plan those out and we, it just becomes lunch, we go, well, what do we want to have? Right. Well, that's the spot we end up yep. with things that we probably shouldn't eat. So we have a lot of those discussions and working from home. The thing I've discovered over time is communication is also key with the family for when am I done with meetings for today? Like maybe today I have a meeting that maybe it goes to 6 p.m. Maybe it goes to 7 mm -hmm. p.m. for something. Well, if we normally eat dinner at 6 or 530, yep. like making sure to communicate that stuff. And and even though all of our stuff is in the calendars, we have a family Google Calendar, actually each of us do have our own Google Calendars and then we mm -hmm. share them so we can all see them. Mm -hmm. I've also over the years, I've gotten the family not to live by the calendar. Like the calendar is there for us to view, 
but don't expect me to go and look at the calendar every single day to figure out what you are doing. <laughs> like I'm if you have something else me. that's going to impact me, me and there, just come and actually have the conversation in there. Don't expect me just yeah. to see on the calendar. Oh, you have something that you you're going to, and Oh, you need me to go with you. Like, and so that's been, definitely we've changed that routine over the years of how do we use t something like a shared family calendar to better manage all the stuff in it used to be way harder to manage when we had a kid home and all the activities and and that's where we started with that family calendar is trying to keep up with those and it and the digital calendar helps because we have it on the go with us mm -hmm. always have it if i need to call somebody and make an appointment we always have the calendar i can see my wife's calendar i can see the kids activities she can see my calendar in there i pull all my work stuff in there all my business stuff in there and thankfully with Google Calendar, when you share stuff, you can decide how much info do I want to share. Ah. So for things like the day job where I'm not supposed to share titles and details, literally the calendar, even on my side, just says work meeting. Hmm. That's it. All I know is I have some work meeting from this time to that time. You I, can't even see I more details than detail. your family? And I can't see more details because I'm not supposed to share that stuff mm -hmm. stuff out. And so that's the way to work around that. There's nothing that says I can't put a placeholder on the calendar, which is what I do. So mm -hmm. at least I know they're there. The family knows they're mm -hmm. there. They're, and be having the Google Calendar and having the different sharing settings, it enables like, can they add stuff on? Like my personal calendar, my wife can add stuff onto the personal calendar all day long. She can't add stuff onto the day job. Mm -hmm. She can't add stuff onto the business calendar. Mm -hmm. They're in there. And so definitely the shared calendar has been a huge blessing for us and having it on the phones and having everyone in the family have a phone where they can actually get the calendars and all the technology pieces in there. Yeah, we're still um, not having our kids on technology or their personal devices like that yet. We've got, you know, screens around, but they're somewhat oh, definitely not the kids not but, yet but the, to put a kid activity in there we didn't actually need to give the kid a device we literally just needed within your own google account you can create multiple calendars mm -hmm. so we would just create a calendar that was kids That's activities smart. and put those on there mm -hmm. our daughter didn't have a phone until she went into high school mm -hmm. and literally only got a phone because the principal at the school on freshman orientation said it would be fantastic for your child to have a phone so they can do research during classes like English and just because we don't have enough computers for everyone and we'll, we definitely give time for them to do research. And so we're like, okay, like because the school's saying and it'll be a, mm -hmm. a benefit and we don't want our yeah. daughter to fall behind and have extra work at home. That's interesting. Like, I haven't ever heard of a school asking for yeah, devices. Yeah, and they didn't like say, you have to, they just said, we suggest if you have oh, the ability wow. to, it would benefit your kid. There's no requirement that they, mm -hmm. that they do it. And we just thought, you know what, we have the ability to get this for you. Yeah. you and knowing the way my daughter's brain works, if she, we knew if she wasn't able to get one of those computers, it would throw her into a bit of a loop. And with mm -hmm. her also being a swimmer on both a high school team and a club mm -hmm. team, like we don't need to give you extra homework just because we didn't get you a device where you could have spent the time in class that you were right. allocated. Right. So we're like, okay, well, we'll get you that device, but we also put limits on it. 
like we didn't allow like all the parental controls around it. Can't purchase things. You only get a certain amount of screen time time in there. The phone auto locked at a certain hour so that you we didn't have to worry about are you playing video games all nice. hours of the night in there. Mm-hmm. We could also check for things like are you playing video games during all of your school hours where you're sh- you shouldn't be versus paying attention in class. Like, right. So we had the controls in, in place while she was in high school for that stuff. And that helped out for those pieces. Yeah. So my husband and I did just implement a family calendar, um, share it on, on Google. Um, but I'm trying to figure out how to make sure that all of, like, if I'm putting something into my Apple calendar, I want to make sure it's sharing to my Google and vice versa. Cause I got concerned the other day that they aren't syncing. <laughs> And I'm like, oh no, I put all these meetings in on my computer and I need to make sure they're going to show up on my phone. I actually don't use the Apple calendar at all and just use the Google calendar. So I don't have to worry about that, but I'm sure there are ways to actually tell. I need to check and figure that out real quick because I started implementing or inputting them, you know, in that way. And there is a bit of a delay in there. Yes, there is. That's true. That's true. The other annoying piece though, speaking of calendars that I have found is Google calendar or Google will actually on your calendar, throw some stuff from your email onto your calendar. So like if you have a flight coming up, it will see an email come in with your flight confirmation and it will throw a meeting up on your calendar. Mm-hmm. I have discovered the hard way that doesn't actually a real meeting. And so it doesn't share out to the whole family. I actually have to add in and a meeting on my calendar for that flight. Also, my wife couldn't get the flight detail oh. before. And I've had the other thing happen where I had someone's birthday or something marked on my calendar as an all day thing, but I didn't realize it was marking me as busy and blocking yep. me from being able to have meetings put on my calendar that day. Whoops. Yeah. Having the busy versus, versus free is mm-hmm. key for those things that you don't want to have it block out the calendar, yep. especially as a business owner. So I have a scheduling system where I can send people to and they can book a call so I don't have to do the whole back and forth. Are you available at this time or this time? No. How about this time? Yeah. Like that could like one or two people. It's like, okay, not too bad. Yeah. You get a whole slew of people coming at, at you. And it's like, no, I don't want to manage this. I'm spending two hours a day managing, trying to get an appointment booked in here, or I can just get a booking system. But the booking systems can actually look at multiple calendars in there and block out automatically available time in there. So I don't have to worry about mm-hmm. going in those booking systems and go, oh, I'm not available this time. It's like, it's just gonna block it off as long as I put the placeholder on the calendar. Same thing with like the free side. Sometimes there's meetings where it's like, yeah, I don't know that I I wanna actually attend or it's just an FYI. It's like, put it as free so it doesn't block off my calendar mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, I need, a, I need to play around a little bit more with my calendaring system because I do have one for the podcast. Um, I try to only have it open about a week out in advance so that I don't accidentally, you know, schedule myself into spring break or other things like that. Hey, Justin, we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon. I usually ask one big question and I know you've just been sitting here sharing tips, um, or the way that things have evolved for a while, but if you were to give advice to someone who's thinking about working from home for the first time, um, what's your biggest takeaway? My biggest advice is to truly treat it as work versus home. Don't have your office for the very first time sitting in your kitchen permanently set up where you're always going to see see it in there because you'll end up mm-hmm. working 6 a.m. You're going to wake up. You're going to be at 
on your computer by 6.15 and you're still going to be there at 10 o'clock at, at night if you have that. So have that mm -hmm. separation between work and home life in there. And for some people, that could even mean you might need to shower and actually get in work attire. I know people that every single morning, even though they're not going to see anyone, not going to leave their house, they still mm -hmm. shower every morning. They still put on their work work clothes, they still put on their shoes, and they still walk to their office so that they can get their mind to go, I'm in office mode yep. right now. And then when office mode is done, they may actually go change out of work clothes and change into their relaxation clothes just like they would do when they came home after their commute. Absolutely. Whatever works for you. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to figure it out. <laughs> you're going to definitely figure it out. But for someone starting out, that's the biggest tip is to have that that separation so that you truly have a good balance and it doesn't just become I'm working full time time 100% of my time because it's really easy to get into that mode where you went from working 40 hours a week to now you're working 80 hours a week in there. You don't want to actually do that. You want to try to still keep that balance and still have an actual life. So it sounds like you're working more than 40 hours a week since you're trying to juggle multiple things, but you're making it balanced. I definitely work more than more than 40, but that's because I have a day job and I have a startup business in there. So I'm essentially working two jobs mm -hmm. in there, but neither of them takes more than 40. If I was doing either one of them full time, the day job, I, I'm only working 32 hours a week for, for them. And it's, I'm pretty hard set at 32. When the, Mm -hmm. When the 32 hits, like for the most part, I'm done it in there. Mm. Same thing for the business. Like there's certain things I have to get done, but I also make sure it's a balance in there. Good. Uh, there there's some nights where it's like, I'm going to go spend time with the, the wife instead of working. Could I actually have worked another two, three hours? Oh, absolutely. But it's that balance of, I can't forget that I have a family. I can't forget that I ha have a life in there. And it's really easy with for me to actually do that because I love the things that I do. And when you love the things that you actually mm -hmm. do, it doesn't actually feel like I'm working ever. Right. It feels like I'm always just having fun and having play time in there. And so it is really easy for me to work those 80 hour weeks and enjoy d doing it in there and not be burned out from it. But I also, especially now that we are empty nesters in, in our house and realizing, I'm only in my 40s. I can't forget that my wife is out in the other the room because we're going to be together for the rest of our lives in here and we want to have it be a fun time in there. So I definitely make it a point that we spend time every single night for even if it's just an hour or we spend time every night together. We make sure that we have dinners together or in there. And so we plan all of that stuff out, out mm -hmm. in there so that it doesn't just turn into me constantly working and her wondering when am I going to be done right. working. Is she also working from home? She has recently started actually working in my business more, but for cool. the majority of the last 18 years, she has been a stay at home mom mm -hmm. um, that is taking care of our daughter, made sure the house didn't burn down and the house had everything that it's we needed and helped me out with stuff and, and so definitely because she's been the work for or the stay at home mom in there and she just recently started doing some stuff in the business, it's very easy for her her to be left 
all out by herself as I'm just working, working, working. And she's going, Hey, what about me? Like, and she's got lots of friends and activities that she does, but still she, she married me. And thankfully enough, after 26 years together, still wants to spend time with me. Uh-huh. Well, cool. I didn't know that she was involved in that way. Um, what capacity is she helping you in? It, that's a funny question right now. We actually have been having a lot of discussions right now around where does she want to go in in her life? Where does she want to help out? And so she's looking at all kinds of, of things in there. She's not super into technology, but at the same time, that's just because she's still at her kind of chapter one, chapter two in the technology versus my chapter 20. Yeah. But we're, we're looking at like, could she do some of the social media stuff? Could mm -hmm. she schedule my my newsletters in there? Could she do the bookkeeping? Could she potentially do sales call, calls in there? Mm -hmm. like, so we're looking at everything that's possible really in the business right now. I'm just going, the sky's the limit. Whatever you want to do, it is open in here. And I definitely recognize that this is a learning opportunity. Yeah. I'm not expecting it to be like, oh, I hired a full-time time person that's going to hop in and immediately know exactly right. how to do everything without me telling them. It's like, nope. Like I know like it's a growth opportunity, but for the long haul, like that's where we kind of want to be. Cause we've talked about, should she go get a get a job or something, but then you lose some of the location and time freedom. Mm -hmm. If I'm off to an event and she wants to come with me and she had a full-time yeah, job, she now come. she's got to try to schedule in. She's got limited vacations mm -hmm. and, just can't pick up and go and yeah our daughter being in college she, right now she daughter called and said hey i need you for something to I'm like can you actually drive out she's about three and a half hours away from us wow like, yeah we could drop what we we're doing and we could make that drive mm -hmm. up if we had a full-time job it was like no like sorry you've got to wait until the the weekend or i've got to schedule something mm -hmm. off and yeah yeah so we're still trying to figure out all of the those pieces in there and it's a whole dynamic when you and your spouse actually work together in a business and yeah and making sure that it doesn't become it can easily turn into a resentful thing if you don't handle it it well especially when one's more the kind of ceo leading the direction and the other one's not there yet right more administrative i guess um i have heard multiple married couples who work from home i've had a few interview with me um separate offices yep that can be, I mean, like John and I, my husband, we like to get together for lunch <laughs> and like, he's often working in the bedroom office and I'm in the closet office or the kitchen table, but we are still working separately. Yep. Um, it's kind of annoying if we're both in the same room. Yeah. We have that, the same thing. I don't know that for the most part that we could work in the same room because I tend to like to l listen to music. I tend to watch a decent amount of live streams. I don't want to have earbuds in all day long in there. And then if I do put earbuds in and we're in the same office, like it's the constant tap on the shoulder. She can't just say anything because mm -hmm. I can't hear when I have mm -hmm. the earbuds in. And so like, we just know, like we have different ways that we like yeah. to work And the office. Isn't that big either. Mm -hmm. Like we've got a decent amount of space, but I also have a lot of stuff. I have a drum set be behind <laughs> me for the, I've got an actual, extra desk behind me. And that desk is actually where I do the day job work. So it separates ah. it a bit from the business. I had them all on one desk for a lo long time, but with technology to switch be between computers that went to the monitors and mm -hmm. like, it just became a lot to manage. And, it, and so I've recently actually switched that, that. 
and I have just this fun setup that I'm sitting in front of with lots of monitors for events in here. Here, I've got eight monitors in front of me. I got three computers so that I oh can my join goodness. multiple Zoom rooms for the events. And so I've got all my event stuff on this desk, which is so really Justin fun. just changed the view on the video feed. If you um if you get a chance to peek at that part of the um of the YouTube version of this recording. Um, did you have eight monitors? I have eight monitors sitting in front of me right now. It looked like Two he was like in a security desktop. control room or something. <laughs> yeah. And I have a little back camera because it's great when I'm on events and, and people introduce me. I can show the back camera because you're just looking at me from the front. You're like, oh, it doesn't look that impressive, the, the event <laughs> stuff. And then you see the back and you're like, whoa, oh my, oh my goodness here. here. You've got a whole lot of equipment in there. There's a mixing unit and there's a rack unit wow. and eight monitors. And because a lot of times I'm on the Zoom event, multiple computers are on the event doing mm -hmm. different pieces in there. I definitely love having multiple monitors. Like Wow. Justin, where can people find you and learn more about your business? So you can find me at letyournerdbeheard.com. And that's where if someone were interested in hosting an event and they needed some tech support, that's where they'd find you? Yep. Just if you head to the website, there is a contact us page on there and you can just reach out. That's the best way to get a hold of me is to go there and fill out that contact us and we'll get back in touch. All right. Well, Justin, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Working from home is a fantastic adventure. And if you have the opportunity to do it, I would definitely jump at it. If you want to talk about your work from home experience on the podcast, please send me a message on my website, www.yesiworkfromhome.com. If you go to um, the same website forward slash podcast forward slash guest, you can fill out the guest interest form where you can let me know um, a little bit more about your business and um, work experience, what you do. Um, how you make it work from home, uh, just to kind of give me a preview. I appreciate that. Um, but you can also just send me an email at april at yesiworkfromhome.com and we'll make something work. All right, Justin, thank you so much for meeting with me today. Appreciate your time. I hope we get to meet someday in, in person, but for now, this is great. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. This has been April Malone with Justin James and Yes, I Work From Home, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.